welcome to the Parents of Goers community. This podcast is for you and for me and for all of us, the stayers, as we choose to thrive with a child on mission. Welcome to the Parents of Goers podcast, and today we have Shannon. Shannon, why don't you introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe your job here at Cornerstone. Yeah. Hey guys, my name is Shannon Bowman and I work partially for Cornerstone Church in Ames, Iowa, and I'm specifically helping them with short-term trips and caring for our goers who are on the field from our church. And then I also work for the SALT Network, and I help all of our SALT companies send students overseas on SALT global trips. All right. That's a mouthful. Yeah. (laughs) We'll unpack a little bit of that, though. So... Um, so normally on this podcast, we're addressing parents who have sent their kids long-term, but I know we have some listeners that, um, that also have just, um, either contemplated or have sent their kids on short-term trips. And so, um, that's also, uh, a little bit unnerving at times if you don't know anything about what's going on or if you don't know about the culture. And so, um... Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the short-term trips that you plan and um, maybe even give us insight to what's going on right now for Mm -hmm. students on short-term trips? Yeah, so we actually have a lot of um, really awesome trips planned for the upcoming year from Cornerstone. We tried to make a variety of trips available so that we could have some trips that are focused on high school students going on a trip together while others are focused on families being able to bring their kids with them overseas. Um, But the type of trip that we actually send the most people on from our trip are the SALT Global Trips, which is um, just for SALT Company students, sophomore, sophomores till seniors who are okay. leaders. Um, and they go overseas for six to eight weeks, um, and they are specifically sharing the gospel with college students overseas. Huh. So how do they, um, how do you prep someone for something like that? Do they just like sign up and go? Yeah, so something that makes our process really unique compared to most trips of this nature is that we really have a year-long process. Oh, really? It starts all the way in September when we have our students who came back from the last year starting to tell other students about their experience. And So, so that's, do we do the same trips again and again? Yes and no. So we send um, to a lot of the same places for years after years, um, just because that's where we have our key partnerships. Mm -hmm. But also our network is growing a ton, and so are the number of students we're sending out from our church specifically. Okay. And so we're also adding new locations every year that we send to. So um, we start in September with just mobilizing, telling students about the trips. November is when we do interviews, and December is when a student is actually placed on a trip. And so all the way from December through May, students are getting trained on how to prepare to go overseas, and then they're sent out from May to July, okay. and then have a re-entry retreat in August. So it's a long process it that they go process. through. Yeah. So um, you said they're trained before mm-hmm. they go out. Um, tell me a little bit about what that, I, I kind of know because my kids have been on some short-term trips. Tell me what that involves. Yeah, so we kick everything off in January, really. They have stuff starting in December, but the big push is in January where we have 
all students coming from the network to one place to learn about the biblical basis of missions. And just to give you an idea of what, like, we're talking about when I say the network, last year we sent 183 students from our network overseas. So it's a lot of students who are going on these trips. Mm -hmm. Wow, 183? Yep. That's a lot. Yeah, and we're... We're anticipating we'll probably send somewhere around 250 this year. So that's really exciting. No wonder someone has to have that as a full-time job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's a lot to organize. And it's a lot of fun, too. So so we start with biblical basis of missions, talk some about the history, talk some about why we do this. um, And... We spend also a lot of time throughout the semester doing specific trainings on things like team chemistry, um, Bible, how do you read the Bible for yourself, how do you read the Bible with someone else, uh-huh. and then evangelism, how do you um, how do you meet someone and start sharing the gospel with right. them. So those are kind of some of the main trainings we I remember something on. about them having to go somewhere and do like a, a simulation type training mm-hmm. to get them used to entering into a different culture. Do you still do yeah, that? Yeah, we do. There's kind of two trainings that do that in some ways. One okay. is in March. We send students to a bigger city, and they have the opportunity to visit things like Hindu temples or mosques to get a feel for other cultures and okay. an idea of what overseas will be like in a small sense. Yeah. Um, and then our very final training in May, we... Um, put them under a little bit more stress of like, hey, this is maybe some scenarios you'll have to work through as a team so that they're ready for what do I do when I get to another country and I'm not, I'm feeling stressed, I feel uncomfortable, I don't know what to do. Um, So they can kind of work out some of those things before going. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember kids, that they were in some simulation where they were talking to them in a different language and then they had to give them their Bibles and... So it was just a little disorienting, and they had to figure out what to do as a team. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are really good things to hear. Uh, As a parent myself, it's really good to know that you're not just like signing a paper and they're putting you on an airplane. You're really being trained to go, Mm -hmm. and you're being prepped to be in a different um, culture. Yeah, and what's really cool, too, is when we talk with students at the debrief after they've experienced their summer trip, Uh a lot of people trace the value of their trip all the way back to that January training. And so it really is an impactful part of their summer team experience, even though they're not overseas yet. And a life experience that's going to be valuable to them in so many Mm -hmm. areas. So do a lot of those people turn around and say like, hey, missions is something I want to invest my life into? Yeah, that's a really good question. So for Cornerstone, for example, Uh this past year we sent um, 67 students from our church, and when they came back, 16 of them said, I think I might be interested in doing something like this long term. And so, um, so far... I think there's only maybe two that are actually moving forward with that process, but at least it's on their radar as something they're considering. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would also say, um, even if it's not necessarily overseas that they're interested in doing, Mm -hmm. a lot of the summer team students end up being the students who go on church plants or who join SALT staff. Um, I think summer trips just tend to help 
students discern calling in general. Right. Um, and so that's really fun to watch unfold. So that's a good kind of segue into our first question. We've already covered some of it. Um, so why is a short-term mission trip valuable to the goer, the mm-hmm. person who goes? And you covered several of those things by like saying the year-long training is helpful, understanding missions is helpful. What are some other really valuable things that they gain? Yeah, I really think that a salt company global trip is one of the best things someone can do during their college years. Hmm. First of all, who has two months to just spend overseas? Not many people besides college students. Right, in that life stage you do. Yes, totally. Uh And Uh so um, I think one of the most valuable things students get from going on a summer trip is just the exposure to God's heart for the nations. Oh. And so what I mean by that is most students who come back from a summer trip have new eyes to see people, places, and culture oh. in a way that um, tugs their heart towards praying for people, tugs their heart towards seeing the international student on campus and wanting to yeah. share the gospel with right. them, um, and tugs their heart just towards the lostness of the world and wanting to be a part of that. And so... Do you think that's a result of just getting out of their own culture? Why does that happen? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with being exposed to something that's different from what they're used to. We're in such a bubble that we Mm. just care about the things Mm -hmm. we see right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And summer trips kind of rip that from students, Mm. even in the sense of we have a policy where students have to remove social media from their phones. And as you can imagine as a student or as a parent, most students spend a lot of time on their phones. Mm -hmm. And so not having that as a distraction Mm. for the summer really gives them the freedom to see people around them. Good training for life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one thing. I think another way that these trips are super valuable is um, kind of like I was mentioning before, these trips tend to form students to be some of our most involved church members. If that's staying here at Cornerstone, going on a church plant, being sent out from our church overseas, Mm -hmm. um, it just gives them the the skills to be able to know mm-hmm. how how has God uniquely gifted me and how can I use that in the context of my church, which right. is really, um, really valuable, I think. Um, they almost get to know themselves better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, I also love that summer trips help students to know how to spend more time intimately with God. Hmm. Um, One thing that we really value when it comes to how do students spend their days each day overseas Mm -hmm. is we have students start their day with time with God, which we all know as Christians here in the States that that's something we should be doing, but it's easy to be distracted from that. And when they're on a summer trip, that's their job. Like, they have to start their day that way. And so it's a really great um, way to just develop that as a Christian, to develop it as a spiritual Mm -hmm. habit, which is really great. Um, And then one other thing I thought about that's really valuable is we don't send students out as individuals. We send them out on a team. And so students have to learn how to deal with conflict. They have to 
learn how to have healthy relationships. And so that's so valuable regardless of if they go overseas in the future or if they stay in Ames forever. Um, and so, yeah, I think the list could probably go on and on, but those are just a few those things Those are I really good. Of. I mean, just in general life lessons, just mm-hmm. really, really good. You couldn't gain them really any other way. Yeah. So those are things that are really valuable to the goer. So why is a short-term mission trip valuable to the host? Yeah. The hosts like that are in country. Mm-hmm. Well, one way it's valuable is that it's just refreshing to have people from your home church come and visit you. Uh, and so yeah. I think it's just truly a gift to our hosts to have students come and just bring new energy and life mm-hmm. to their team, which is really cool. Um, another reason why it's a blessing to the hosts is because Summer team students are able to accomplish so much in the summer. Um, I think Mike Easton told me that when he hosted summer teams for two years, um, in that time he had tracked 5,000 gospel shares happening. And so, as you can imagine, as Mike, one person overseas, that would have taken him potentially years to be able to share the gospel that many times. Totally. So that's such a huge blessing. Because that's the summer team's jobs. Yes. All those weeks is to go out and share the gospel. Yeah. And then in return, the host gets to have the follow-up conversations and relationships with those people. Instead of needing to filter through who might be interested, Mm. the summer team students have already done that. Yeah. So now the host can just focus on actually discipling students and reading the Bible That's a great, yeah, it sets them up for more success and fruit just Mm -hmm. because they're not going through the masses. They're already been kind of vetting the people all summer and to see who's interested. Yes. That's really cool. Yeah. I love that, that they're um, creating just much more uh, interest almost and um, soil that's kind of prepped Mm -hmm. for the gospel. So why is a short-term mission trip valuable to the people in the country? The lost, many of them are lost. Yeah. Why why is this a valuable thing? Because they'll meet them and then maybe they won't see these people again. Yeah. Um, Can I share two stories? Yeah, I'd love it. Um, one's a story in progress, okay. and one is a story that's come to fruition, but, you know, still in progress. We're right. all in progress. Right, right. Um, so the first is a girl named Fung. Okay. I actually met her a couple winters ago. I went to Vietnam on a Christmas trip. Okay. And I walked into a convenience store, and I saw her studying. So I went up to her and um, just started a conversation with her, trying to get to know her. And somehow she made the connection that I was associated with um, some salt company students who had come on a summer trip the summer before. Whoa. So she, she started to ask me questions of, by any chance, do you know some people from Kansas who have come to Vietnam before? That's really amazing. So she starts telling me about how they shared the gospel with her last summer and that she wasn't quite sure what to think about it, but she was really interested. And so she wanted me to talk with her more about it. So then you just happened to meet her in the convenience. Yes, store. totally random. So then this summer I get a text from our summer team students midsummer, which technically they're not supposed to be texting, yeah. you know, but whatever they text me and they're like, Shannon, you will never believe it. We met your friend Fung at a convenience store this summer, and she she made the connection that we know you. And I was like, what? And so, and this, this is girl, a huge city. 
huge city. Like, I think Vietnam has, or it's in Ho Chi Minh City. I think there's, like, 11 million people who live there that or is something like that. unbelievable. Yeah. So she's now met three different groups from churches in the SALT Network who have come to share the gospel with her. She still hasn't given her life to Christ. She's still, um, she would consider herself a Buddhist. But God is after her. Yes, and she's leaning in, and she's, like, trying to put the pieces together of why would these people be coming to share the gospel with me? Um, And so I just think that's really cool. And obviously... Most of the time, something like that doesn't happen. Where, yeah, but it's incredible. Yeah. I have chills. You yes. Know? It's so incredible. So then um, the second story is actually of a girl who is now on staff with Campus to Campus. She um, is Chinese, and she lives in China, and she's now in full-time ministry there. But how she became a Christian was... For whatever reason, God decided to use Americans in her life. She had met 10 Americans who had come to China to share the gospel with people before she gave her life to Christ. And so it's not... 10 separate Americans? 10 separate Americans. So it's not that God needs us as Americans to share the gospel, but God's using... Um, us And so I think those are just really cool testaments of why we do short-term trips and how even though students might not see fruit right away, uh-huh. um, God's doing the work and God's growing um, those seeds and that are never being planted. Avoid. Yes. So there's always, if you put a seed in, it's going to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are just two Amazing fun stories. Amazing stories. Yeah. Tell yeah. those a lot. Yeah. Because then people say like, oh, God's working there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that I was impressed with is I went on a short-term mission trip to Africa probably almost a dozen years ago now, um, probably 10 years ago. And I was amazed that they were so um, they were so devoted and, and worshiping the exact same God that I worship, but not in my language. Hmm. But obviously it was the same God, and they described him in the same way. And hmm. he was doing things among them in the way that God does things. So it was just mind-blowing that they knew the God I knew, and he wasn't an American God. Mm-hmm. He was a, a God of creation, he created the whole world. Yeah, that's good. So it bonded us in a way that we couldn't have been um, kind of bound together, but we had the same Father. So yeah, that was really good. cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Wow, those are fantastic, amazing, unbelievable stories. Um Yeah, and I I referred to that trip in this next question. So before I went on that trip, we were required to read a book. Um, It was called, I think, When Helping Hurts. I can't even remember who wrote that, but um, it's a book that you hear about a lot in the missions world. So what's the premise of that book? Have you read it? So Do you know what it's about? Ironically, I've never read the whole book. Okay. I've watched like short videos on it and I've yeah. read summaries of it. Yeah. So I know a lot about it, but okay. I haven't actually read it. Why would helping ever hurt someone? That's yeah. the premise of the book. Yeah. I think that um, as Christians, we see, really, you don't have to be a Christian. Anyone can see this. We just see a lot of brokenness in the world. And our natural response is wanting to know, how can I do something to help fix this? And I think that it's easier for us to try to meet a physical need Mm -hmm. than to remember that actually what really needs healing is is spiritual. It's 
um, restoring of relationships and things like that. And so physical needs also really need to be met. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. But I think um, my understanding of what that book is getting at is that sometimes we skip what's really needed by Mm -hmm. trying to meet quick, like, tangible things that we can do that end up hurting more than helping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent. Because a lot of times if a society will understand and start obeying God's law, you see this in the Bible, Mm -hmm. then it kind of transforms their entire society, you know, from the heart out. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, you have to address the real issues sometimes before you actually um, can help with the obvious issues. Mm -hmm. You can help them, but they won't stay helped. You know what I mean? They'll just kind of go back into their normal thing. Like I remember a story about... Um, this place that we went into Africa, they had to do a lot of farming because there's an orphanage there and they um, had this garden that was sustaining the kids, you know. And so they brought in this farm equipment and trained the, um, well, they, they brought in like combines and things so they could get a lot more done. I don't know if the men, the farmers there were trained well and then they had them use this farm equipment to be more productive. Mm. Well, then they left. Then the Americans left. And they came back, and the farm equipment was all sitting in kind of a junkyard, all rusting, because they weren't comfortable with it. They were much more comfortable with their, you know, kind of uh, low-tech methods. And so they just kind of fell back into that because they didn't have the proper training, you know. And in the same way, you know, if we don't train them to understand and know who Jesus is, then the rest of their lives, you know, kind of don't work very well. Yeah. So... We actually have um, a man at Cornerstone. His name is Marlon Rice, right. and he's really invested in Zambia. Uh-huh. And something that's really cool about Marlon's story and how God has been using him is that he is really an expert when it comes to, well, actually, I think he's an expert in ephthalmology, which is like bugs, but yeah, yeah. also ag stuff. Yeah, and so... Um, he partnered well with Jeff Dodge, who's passionate theology. Yeah. And they were able to help pastors have the skill of farming in a really simple, sustainable way of literally just giving them a stick and a string to measure out rows. Wow. And now those pastors are able to sustain their family through farming, but really the main thing they're doing is being pastors to these villages. And so um, I think that there's a lot of ways that we can help in a way that hurts, like this example of bringing in this farm equipment. Something they would never, they never were used to they've never used it before yeah but it's a lot harder to figure out how do we do this in a way that is sustainable for them and is also fruitful for them not just in field production but spiritually too so and culturally appropriate Mm -hmm. yeah because sometimes we'll be western and bring in our western ways but that's not the way that they relate to or understand God because of different cultural narratives, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we have to be careful not to westernize the church um, overseas. Yeah, and that's, I think that's part of the reason why our Salt Company students are focused on sharing the gospel on their summer trips. They're not experts like Marlon at Mm -hmm. helping people 
grow crops crops and they're not experts at being able to plant a church even Mm. but they know christ Mm -hmm. they know how to read their bible they Mm -hmm. know college students because they're college students themselves and so we have them focused on um sharing the gospel with students in a relatable way because they're also students and so that's kind of how what we focus in on on the trips we do yeah what a great thing just for them in america to Mm -hmm. have learned to do that you know overseas so Mm -hmm. they can come back and do it here so how can our parents be supportive if their child um even if they're scared to send them on this short-term trip like oh no what will happen i can't talk to them they won't have social media they're a long ways away yeah I think one of the best things you can do is to have conversations with your kids about how what you're thinking, what you're feeling, the questions you have. Um, I remember before I went on my first summer trip, my mom was so nervous about me going overseas. Mm. And I think the most helpful thing was that we just continued to have dialogue throughout mm. that whole training process that I was in. About yeah, that's super helpful that you start training early. And yes. so parents might not know that. Mm-hmm. So it's good for them to listen. Like, oh, they're actually starting in January for the following yes. year. Yeah, And also to know that if you feel like you want more than just talking with your student, that there's people at the churches that are sending out your students that would love to be mm. able to talk to you, answer questions. Um, yeah, I think that's good for parents to know because sometimes they feel like, oh, they're so busy, I don't want to bother them. Yeah, yeah, and we'd love to answer your questions. Mm. This is your and job. Then, yeah, totally. Yeah. And then I think as far as like what you were saying about how do parents communicate with their students when they can't have social media and all of those things, mm-hmm. I think part of that is recognizing you can still communicate some. We don't say you can never talk the whole summer or anything like that, but also recognizing that there's value in those rules that we have, such as only communicating back home once a week, and that um, just praying and asking God that even though that's maybe hard for you as a parent to not have as much communication with your child, that you're asking God to use that time to draw your child closer to God. So mm-hmm. I And I as a parent, good. when I can't have any communication with my kid like that situation, I am more drawn to be on my knees praying for them mm. because I'm not that's in good. control. Yeah. And I'm worried, you know? Yeah, that's So good. when I'm not in control, which is actually never... Um, because God, you know, is the one in control. But uh, and I'm fearful. Then I'm more likely to run to God hmm. because everything feels a little bit scary. So maybe it's not only valuable for the kid, you know, to separate, but maybe it's really valuable to for parents to build their faith in that way. Yeah, that's good. You know, so that's how it's been for me. Um, yeah, that's really great. And. And what I learned from it, I think this was from our last podcast with Little Laravias, was don't just ask, like, when you do that communication, is it email or how do they do that? Can they call? Yeah, they can call. So we give every student, and this changes year to year, but uh-huh. our current policy is um, we give every student an hour to call back home. And so they can use that as they want, if they want to FaceTime, if mm, they want a WhatsApp it. call. Yeah. Um, okay. But, yeah, so everyone uses the hour differently. Yeah. So the Laravius said, don't just say, like, hey, how are you doing? Or, um, you know, tell me how are you feeling? They said ask specific questions. Mm. Like, 
hey, tell me about a team member that you feel like you're really, you know, getting to know or bonding with, or tell me about an interaction you had with a student. So really specific questions will actually bring about more conversation rather than like, how are you? You Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So they were just like, hey, if you want to have your child talk, then ask them specific questions like, hey, tell me the names of your team members and tell me a little bit about each of them. Yeah. Something like that. I think that's really helpful. And it's helpful, I think, for parents to know that students really want that, too. Mm -hmm. Like, when students come back and we do the debrief in Mm -hmm. August, a lot of what I hear from students is that they were expecting their parents to ask them more questions. Hmm. And Parents don't know what to ask. Yeah, and I... And we coach them on that, that it's probably not that your parents don't care. It's that they don't understand your experience, so they don't know what questions to ask. So knowing for them to know that you care and for you to know that they want to share, I think is helpful. Yeah, that would be a really helpful blog post, I think, that maybe we could work together to do. Like, um, hey, these are some specific questions that you could ask your child to show that you're interested. But sometimes we just don't know what to say. And yeah. so we just kind of don't, and then the conversation kind of gets quiet because no one knows what to say. So if we have some sort of an agenda or maybe a question guide, that might be really helpful. Yeah, It would not only show that. the kids that their parents are interested, it would be kind of a, almost like a cheat sheet for the parents. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so we should, we should talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, if a parent wanted to hop, you talked earlier that we don't only have these salt company trips, we have these community trips. So let's say a parent says, wow, all that sounds really amazing. How could I, as an adult, not a SALT student, um, hop on a community short-term trip? Tell me about those, because you talked about going to Vietnam. Yeah, so we have a couple different trips coming up this year that would be great for you as a parent to join, if that's something you would be interested in. An example for that is um, we're sending a trip to Guatemala, and the age range for that trip is basically middle school through as long as old as you can get, basically. Old people. Um, and so there's definitely trip options like that. I would also say that at Cornerstone, at least, we're really open to talking with people about their specific interests and, pa- and passions overseas. Hmm. And so... For example, we have a family here at Cornerstone, and um, the husband used to be a missionary in Thailand. And so he's like, hey, how could I take my high school and middle school students to Thailand? And so we're talking with them about what could we design a trip for their family that would be a blessing to them and to the missionaries overseas. And so I think there are tons of opportunities to get overseas. It just involves starting a conversation. And do there, is there some specific training for community members as well? Yeah, it's much less intensive than what we do with college students. And part of that trips are short. They're short. And also part of it is that, Honestly, SALT global trips are such a key part of our development and discipleship 
process within Salt Company mm-hmm. that we really want to take full advantage of, of that. Um, and it's so, a unique time in life where you can yes spend that much time, that much time training. Yep. So for community trips, we usually have two to three team meetings beforehand so okay. that you get to know the other people who are going on your trip. You get to know some skills like practicing sharing your testimony and mm, stuff like that. Okay. Um, but it's much less intensive as a SALT global trip. Right. And how long, like what are the age ra- I mean, not the age ranges, but the time ranges for those like days? Yep. Most are between a week and two weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. And those are all in locations we already have, um, like church planners? Um, yes, or they're just people who we've been connected with as a church for a long time and that we love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, we send a trip to South Africa. That trip's going to be in February. Mm. And, Is that um, to Wal- Welcome? Is that to the... Yes. Yeah, Niehoff's. Yes. Brian Niehoff and... Yep, so the family who lives there, they started a, um, I I don't think it's technically an orphanage, but they care for kids in South Africa. Right. And the family who started that, their parents go to Cornerstone. So that's how we're connected with them. And so there's a lot of connections like that that Uh um, are why we send trips where we send. right. Well, that's exciting. Um, yeah, so I hope the parents that are listening that may have kids going on short-term trips, that this will be kind of a, like, oh, okay, kind of calming and um, a balm to maybe some of their worry. Um, and maybe it'll spark interest in them, like, you know, what is this whole mission trip thing about mm-hmm. that they might want to hop in on something? And, and people um, that listen to this aren't only from Cornerstone, but other churches also, do you think they offer some of these community short-term mission trips? Yeah, for sure. And like I said, um, I think that churches besides Cornerstone would be really excited to hear that you're interested in a mm. specific place mm. or type of trip and would love to talk with you more about what that could look like. Yeah, so I think what I hear you saying is, you know, don't be shy. If you if you have an interest in missions, um, act on it mm-hmm. and um, ask questions and go talk to the people in charge of that at your church or people that you know that have done it because yeah. they want to talk to you about it. Especially if you are currently a parent of a goer, uh-huh. I think that initiating a trip from your church to be a blessing to your child's team overseas could be such a great idea. Um, Agreed. You know, maybe it's a few women from your church go and they Uh just care for the women on the field. Or um, maybe you go and you do an evangelism focus trip. There's so many things you could do. not only that, but when my husband and I went, we were just kind of alone and we didn't know what was going on. You know, it would be nice to be with a team. Mm. And do you always send, like, a leader who has been there in the past? I think it depends a lot from okay. trip to trip and okay. who's interested and yeah. what the need is on the field, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, those are really interesting um, options, you know, mm-hmm. for the parents that are listening. And so thanks for spending time and um, just explaining everything that we don't know, you know. It's all a little bit of a mystery. Um, and so just having you talk about that our kids are well prepared, they're well taken care of, you've thought through the whole process, that's that's comforting for us. Thanks for having me, yeah. Tori. So thanks for thanks for telling us all you know. Okay. Bye-bye.